This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. We are not in the best mood. I'll just go ahead and get blunt with you. We have um, been chatting, and we're going to go ahead and plow through. But my goodness, what do you say after the Frogs have what I think is probably their worst defeat since Gary Patterson became the head coach? It's the flattest I've seen us play. 31-6, to Oklahoma State comes to town. They are moving up in the polls. We are flat as can be. They are representing the Big 12 well. We are uh, barely doing anything right. So we're on that chipper note. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, fellas, it was not a fun game start to finish. The crab looked dead. The aerials looked awful. And then the team went ahead and mashed that energy on the field. And the play calling, once again, is, is questionable and suspect. Daniel, take away from the game. What was it like to watch the Frogs sputter on both sides of the ball and lose 31-6 to against Oklahoma State? Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, I go to the games or, like, or let's say I go to a game on a Saturday because it's a home game. Um, I get to take it in there. But in order to prepare for, you know, the podcast and things on Sunday afternoon or around there, I rewatched the game that I have on the DVR because I need a, like the full perspective. I didn't do that this time. I couldn't stand to watch it. Uh, it was awful uh, in person. I didn't want to witness it again. Uh, we are completely lucky on that um, fumbled punt. Otherwise, we never would have gotten that far down the field in order to score. We should have been shut out. Uh, I don't... I'm almost... I want to blame everything. I want to fire everybody. Um, just burn it all down and start over. It's I don't remember the last time I saw, especially in person, a defeat that bad at home uh, where nothing worked at all. Um, the defense worked okay in the first half, but they couldn't last forever because uh, the offense would get off the field after one ridiculous play after another and it was really bad and I just I don't even want to think about it anymore it's I I don't it's just awful awful (laughs) well on that note we're gonna wrap it up thanks for listening everybody but that's (laughs) that's about how I feel I mean it, it, it was awful it was it was it was absolutely awful I I'm old enough to remember the 2004 season the 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 losing season that we had and we, we got drilled by Louisville that year, and that was one of the Bobby Petrino offenses that were really humming. And I, I, that was the worst I thought we'd ever looked. Yesterday probably topped that, and oh my gosh, was that brutal. All sides of the ball, they ran right through us like crazy. Justice Hill was running all over us. Mason Rudolph had a solid game. He You know, not, a, not an amazing game, but he played. we made him look great. So to see the to see the offense so flat, to see the defense um, just bend and then break, and then to, to, to see the crowd and the way that they responded or didn't even respond from 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 the eleven o'clock kickoff, it was just depressing to take in. Daniel, you were there inside the stadium. Let's let's go inside. Probably the most defining and depressing moment of the game. 
So we're trying to score there at the end of the second half. We have, excuse me, at the end of the first half, we have a chance to punch it in. We're in the wild frog. I think three straight plays and everybody and their cousin on that fourth down knows that Kyle Hicks is going to take the ball and, and then try to pass it. So we got a guy that plays running back, trying to throw the ball on a scale of one to 10. What was your frustration with that moment? Um, 45 or so. Um, <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. I, I just turned around and walked off and I just had to just, just walk around the stadium. I think I made a few laps because I just had to kind of control myself, but also just kind of let it, you know, blow off. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, what is this? Why, what is this over and over and over? And it's why everyone's questioning, you know, Doug Meacham and is he even actually any good, which I'm sure he actually is, but I don't understand some of the play calling, especially that. And it was very, I didn't know. I just, I almost left, but I didn't because that'd be stupid. But, um, I don't, I don't get it. It's just one more thing. Uh, after a string of just bizarre things all season long, that just make you question everything. And then something like the Baylor game happens where we got all the confidence in the world back I felt great about coming into this game. And then they actually pulled off the biggest stinker I've seen in uh, a decade or so. So it's, uh, I don't know. I'm getting all worked up about it again. Yeah, at the moment, our best win is against Baylor, who, if their schedule had um, unfolded differently, might be might be finishing the season four and eight. But it's unfolded in a different way. And that's our best win that we have right now is against Baylor. Trey, this game is kind of a snapshot of the season, just you know, a whole bunch of frustration, not only from the Oklahoma State game, but everything that led up to it. How do you summarize the Horn Frogs through 10 games in 2016? Um, you can probably say inconsistent or, um, I don't know, you mentioned kind of flat earlier, and that's kind of what it feels like. It's... You know, like kind of Daniel just mentioned, you know, the first half of that season was kind of up and down. And then you you get the performance like you did against Baylor. And I know they have their own issues and distractions going on. Um, But they come out and they play, you know, probably their best game of the season. And you think, okay, well, maybe, maybe, you know, you're seeing this team kind of get it turned around in the second half of the season and these last few games will get get better. And then you have a performance like this and it's just, it seems like it's like you're back to square one where you were weeks ago. There wasn't a lot of improvement. There wasn't, you know, anything, you know, in the first half of this season when we were having losses and we would get on here and, <laughs> and talk, um, you know, there would be things, some positives we could take from each game, but this one, doesn't seem like there's a lot of positives doesn't seem like there wasn't even even Kyle Hicks you know he had 25 carries but you know average 1.9 yards per carry that's not you know great by any means especially for his standards and so you can't in a lot of the earlier games you could point to him and say yeah that was the right spot but not even in this game you could say that and it's uh yeah it's disappointing and um it's it's yeah. I mean, I want this team to make a bowl game, but it's um, it's just inconsistent. It's just and not up to standards, really. 
Yeah, not in any way. And I've been trying to put my finger on where where the problem is. You know, I know we're not big enough on, on the defensive line, and I know we don't have enough depth and experience at the defensive line. You know, if, if you just kind of look at it chronologically, you know, we kind of had a rough start to our time in the Big 12. In 2012, we were 7-6. and six. Of course, in 2013, we were 4-8. and eight. And, and those are the recruiting classes that, that, that should be the, the studs on the team this year. And so, maybe, you know, maybe limping into the Big 12 is what um, has, has caused some of this uh, to, to be an issue. You know, I know we had a really good recruiting class last year that I feel good about. I know that we are loading up on some great prospects um, for, for, for this fall, or for, for the guys that will be coming in the spring. But I don't, I don't quite know what the issue is. I don't know if it's depth. I don't know if it's experience. I don't know if it's leadership. I, I know Patterson's even mentioned that we don't we don't have enough leadership on those team on the team. But you take all of those things that we seem to lack a piece of and put it together, and that's how you get a team that's five and five, whose best win is against Baylor, who is um, not the best team in the Big Twelve by any measurement. A team that uh, we caught at the right time and blew the doors off them, and it felt good. And I remember, unfortunately, saying on this podcast, if we kill Baylor and don't win another game, it'll be fine. And I don't want that to be true now. So we were staring that in the face. But, you know, y'all were talking about this loss. And I agree. It's a it's a bad loss. It's, it doesn't feel good. But for me, I guess one is, you know, this isn't the first or second loss. This is, you know just the most recent loss of multiple losses this season. And so it doesn't hurt as bad, uh, especially it was against Oklahoma state. They're a pretty good team. You know, they're nine and two should probably be 10 and one. Cause they got hosed at the beginning of the year. And so I don't know. I guess I'd take a little bit. It's not as hard to take since, you know, it is. They'll probably be top 10 next week. And for me, it was those, it's the Arkansas loss, the tech loss. Those are the ones that still bother me because honestly, those tech and Arkansas aren't good teams. And TCU is not great, but I still think they're. He, they're just as good or better than those two teams this season based on the way the teams have played. And we, you know, we wouldn't still be fighting for bowl eligibility at this point if you just take care of at least one or two of those games. And so to me, those two were still the worst, especially when you look at what happened this weekend with tech and Texas and all those, I mean, those are pretty devastating losses. I mean, at least TCU lost to a pretty good team. Yeah, those that lost- feels any better. I'm just no, saying. but you're right. I mean, I I think you got an accurate summary of it. I mean, that's what makes you know. I I can remember even going into the West Virginia game or after the Texas Tech game, or going excuse me, going into the Texas Tech game. I thought you know we lost to West Virginia. They're really good. We lost to Oklahoma in by you know and we we had, we were in it, we were in it to the last thirty seconds. We lost to Arkansas in double overtime again. We could have won. And I'm like thinking like in my head, all right, we could be this. We could be this. We've got the team that will be eight and four, nine and three, that could have been 10 and two, 11 and one, whatever. Uh, yeah. Just watching all of those games slip through our hand, especially the tech loss. That's the part that hurts the most. I mean, if you, if you've been living under a rock, Iowa state hung 66 on Texas tech. And what did we score? 17 in regulation. 
I mean, that was just. <laughs> Dude, I, I was, uh, so I had, a, I had a lot of stuff going on this weekend, and I was actually driving home um, with my family <laughs> during the tech game. And my brother-in-law texted me. He's like, dude, I'm done with Cliff. Do you see what's going on? I'm like, nah, man, I'm driving. What's happening? And they were, like, down, like, I don't know, at that point, like, 35 to whatever or something. And I was like, oh, my God. And by the time I could text back, he was like, oh, pick six. It's 42 now. Like, he was so pissed. It was so funny. Uh, But, he, yeah, he's done with Cliff. I don't mean, I don't think they're going to fire him, obviously, because of, like, money and stuff. But... He is fed up with Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, it was forty-five to three at halftime. I mean, I, I, Iowa State is beating Tech forty-five to three at halftime. That's, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if old Tech is if if old Cliff is on on the hot seat. We're going to talk about a coaching carousel here in a minute, but that's just oh man, that that's what makes that loss so painful that. It, you know, honestly, it hurts our program, but to be really blunt, to see Patterson and Kingsbury shaking hands at, at the end of the game, it just diminished. It, I hated seeing that because it's like this guy has beaten – this guy is uh, has gotten the best of Patterson a couple of times, and, oh, that sucks. That just – oh, that sucks. That pisses me off so I think much. it's more amazing that, you know, Iowa State was able to hold them to 10 rather, you know, Scoring the 66 or whatever, that's pretty impressive. But to be able to hold Unless they're to, playing TCU. Well, yeah. But <laughs> it, holding them to 10, that's pretty good because Tech can usually just score more than that with or without Mahomes, I would think, just because they have that kind of talent. And I, I don't know, unless ISU's defense is just completely turned over a new leaf, I don't really know. But um, that's that was a pretty wild score that I was not expecting. I have a feeling if if we flipped the Iowa State Kansas State game, we would be in a spot to be to get beat by Iowa State because they you know they played Baylor close, they played Oklahoma State very close. Of course, they just blew the doors off of Texas Tech. So you know if we're in the middle of the pack of the Big Twelve, I, Iowa State man, we played them at the right time because I think Matt Campbell is going to have them competitive. They're never going to go nine and three in a in a round robin Big Twelve, but. Good for him. Good for Iowa State. I don't know anybody that hates Iowa State. No, so. no I, I like Iowa State. I, but it, you're right. I think we would definitely lose to Iowa State at this point. But it even feels like, and maybe this is just a sour grapes kind of hangover, but I feel like we'd lose to Kansas right now too. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. We almost lost to Kansas. <laughs> we always do. Don't let the, yeah. We almost lost to Kansas. Yes, we did. <laughs> So, oh, man, okay. Real quick here, I want to just uh, hit these games real quick that we had in the Big 12, and then we're going to talk about some coaching changes. Uh, Kansas State, thank you very much. They beat Baylor 42-21. Daniel, don't you think it's always a good day when Baylor gets beat? Um, When Baylor loses, America wins. There you go. We're going to make America great again. We're going to shut down Baylor and make Mexico pay for it. I'm all about that. Iowa State, of course. What's that? So I'm definitely down for that, yeah. I figured as much. Iowa State 66, uh, Texas Tech 10, as we highlighted. West Virginia. Trey, did you get to watch any of this game? They were talking a lot of smack, and there was an altercation at the middle of the field before the game. Of course, Maker Mayfield was in the middle. Did you get to see OU West Virginia at all? Yeah, I did. I did get to watch that game. And, um, man, I was real – 
excited going you know into the night i was looking forward to that game all weekend and a little disappointed by west virginia i, I thought especially you know as you know it's gonna be a great atmosphere then it was cold and snowy and yeah it was disappointing i mean west virginia kind of made a small little push there in the second half um but yeah it's oklahoma pulled it out and it's i, I mean I guess good for the Big 12 because they're still the highest ranked, but um, I don't know. I yeah, Oklahoma took care of business. They they did what they had to do, and it really wasn't even that close. Like I said, till the end. But I don't know. You know how I feel about Baker Mayfield and all of that, and uh, I don't know. I just I wanted West Virginia to to pull that one out. I don't know. I like. I like West Virginia, so it was disappointing to see them kind of fall flat. Skyward Howard, of course, from Fort Worth, Oklahoma beats West Virginia 56-28. I was kind of with you. I wanted to see a little more fight out of out of West Virginia. That's another team that nobody really hates in the Big 12. We don't have any any affinity with them other than being in the Big East for 10 minutes with them. And then, of course, the last game that we're going to highlight here from the Big 12 this last Saturday – I don't know how to say it, Trey. Texas is back 24-21 overtime. Kansas beats Texas. I'm not going to lie. I got to where I was pulling for Kansas so hard. It was 21-10 to in the fourth quarter, and Kansas came roaring back and won that game. That That's just embarrassing. I know if we, we almost lost to Kansas, and that would have been embarrassing, but this was just an utter, utter embarrassment to watch Kansas come back and and beat Texas. And of course it leads us into the next conversation. Does anybody think Charlie strong is going to be the head coach at the university of Texas next year? No, no way. No way. There's been reports I wasn't on. Sure. I wasn't sure he's going to be the coach next week. Oh, I can't believe he got, I can't believe he got home with a job. I thought they'd just fire him right there on the spot, USC style. But. His press conference looked like, do uh, you ever watch To Catch a Predator when the cameras come out and they realize, <laughs> and they realize their life is over? That's what he looked like. <laughs> Dude, that was bad. I saw that clip, and you're right. I was going to bring that up That when that reporter asked him about his question about like how this impacts his future or whatever. They asked him, like, man, that was so depressing to watch, like. Gosh, that was terrible. I know, man. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chris Hansen with ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have a seat. Just have yeah, a seat. Have a seat over there, please. Have a seat over there. That's right. <laughs> and then I just waited for Charlie to go running out, and then like the lost dogs tackles him in the lawn or something like that. Oh man, that embarrassing was embarrassing loss. Just for like you said, we would be embarrassed if we lost to them. Anybody, I think in the big 12 at this point, you know, would they're the bottom, you know, they're embarrassing when it comes to football. So you don't want to lose to them for a team like Texas. And I know they have their problems, but damn, yeah, that was bad. That's bad. And he deserved, I mean, I think, I think they gave him a good, a fair shake. I mean, they gave him three years. He's done different things he's tried to take over the defense and um they're just it it didn't look like they were on an upward trajectory it didn't look like they were getting better from year to year i mean 
what did that they uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they've had a winning season under him. I think they've like been six or six or worse in all of the years. And it's That's just correct. like, uh, I, I mean, if I was a Texas fan, um, you know, in their position or say if TC was in their position, we didn't have Gary Patterson in, or whatnot. Yeah. I would think I would be getting fed up too. Cause you know, you can say what you want about how Matt Brown left it, but it's still Texas and they still have some players and I don't know if he was the right hire to begin with, honestly, but I think, yeah, I think it's now it's time for him to go. And I don't know if that's good for us or anybody else in the conference. We can get into their coaching candidates, but uh, yeah, I think it's time for him to go. Yeah, I don't. There's no reason for them to not fire him. He 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 has not earned the right to come back, and you know it's it's one of those crappy things. So like he is what should be right about college football. He's you know I, I read a couple of quotes from from some sports writers that I really respect online that said you know he was a player's coach. They said he was a role model and a leader for a lot of young African American men to show them how to be a father, how to be a husband, and that that was like something like a calling he felt in his life. And he clearly knows how to coach. He's been a, a defensive coordinator on championship teams. He's, you know, done a great job at well, he did a great job at Louisville. And you can you can be a great coach and just not fit. I mean, look look at Pete Carroll. He got canned and then ended up in the right spot at USC and has clearly did a great job other than, you know, the Reggie Bush money. But who cares about that? He was a good coach. Charlie Strong is a great coach. He's just not the right fit here. And I don't know what the right fit is in Texas. But it's not Charlie Strong, and I don't know if it's cultural in terms of the Big 12 versus the SEC and the, the old Big East, that kind of uh, uh, game style. I don't know if he's not enough of a glad-hander, but none of that stuff matters if you're winning games, and he just couldn't win games. So I think it was actually on the management side. I mean, his whole staff has turned over. He kept his offensive coordinator around long enough, he, or too long. He kept his defense coordinator around too long. He had players. I mean, like he got a great recruiting class last year and then kind of had a supplemental draft with the Baylor class. So, I mean, he had ballers. He had players. I don't care how young they are. If you can take 20, if you could take, you know, all the top freshmen in the country, you should be able to beat Kansas. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. And I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's a bad coach. I, like you said, I just don't think he's a good fit there, you know, but I do think it's kind of funny that you saw kind of all the reports kind of coming out that a lot of people were saying it depended on the outcome of the Texas TCU game on whether or not he would stay there because nobody on earth thought that they were going to lose to Kansas and like Kansas actually is pretty much the nail in his coffin, which is kind of funny. Like he didn't even make it to the TCU game. Well, they don't want to – it would be so bad for them to beat TCU and then go have to go to a bowl game with the, with the staff that's all on the way out the door. You know, just, just fire Charlie and let the staff go as much – you know, let the new coach sort that kind of stuff out. But get a fresh start. You know, you don't want to spend two more weeks running that – you know, their defense that they're going to have to unlearn and that offense they're going to have to unlearn just to let who knows who come in and lead the program. Just take – you know, I'm not telling them to forfeit, but it's probably best for Texas – you know, if they if they lose this game, it's not the end of the world, and let them kind of get a fresh start because whoever comes in there is going to have a chance because they're going to have some players. They're they're going to be in a good position. 
So, Daniel, do you have any other thoughts on on the on the debacle in Lawrence with Texas and Kansas? Um, not a whole lot. I, as much as I hate Texas, um, I was totally rooting for Kansas, even though it's it's pretty bad for the Big Twelve overall. Um, and I'm it, the only thing that kind of worries me is that I like Charlie Strong. I think he's a good coach, and I, but I wanted him to stay at Texas because that kept them, you know, from being good. Um, mm-hmm. And now they kind of. That there's no certainty what's going to happen. Who knows if they get Tom Herman or whatever. Um, although Baylor thinks they're getting Tom Herman, so there's no yes. telling. Uh, he's not going there. But so, yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know. It just it just kind of creeps me out to think if if Texas could score, you know, a hot shot coach like that, you know, it'd be kind of, you know, not as they wouldn't feel nearly as good about going against Texas. Yeah. Well, we're all going to find out about that. Let's uh, let's play a little game here. Then um, let's talk about who's going to be the next head coach at, at Texas. Let's all pretend for a minute here we're, we're big money donors that we got, you know, billions of dollars with our own luxury boxes. And we, we, we get we get to make the call. We get to pay the, the buyout on Charlie and we get to make the call on on the new coach of Texas. Trey, if you are the AD or a money donor that has the, the chance to call these shots, who would you hire? as the head coach of Texas that you think is in the best interest of building that program up? So if I'm the AD, um, I might strike out, but I'm still, my first call is to Saban just to check the temperature on that water. My second call is to Chris Peterson at Washington to check the temperature on his water and then if neither one of those are filling my pitch, then I go, I think you have to go Tom Herman. You know, he's the hot name, and I know his stock's been up and down this season. Um, but I do think he's a good coach. I uh, I don't know if he's going to be the right fit there. I don't know how successful he's going to be there. He does seem a little more... <clears throat> kind of enthusiastic you know he's he'll do the whole grill thing he'll you know kind of do some stuff that you know you wouldn't see from charlie strong or gary patterson or kind of some older type coaches so that's what i would do i don't think they have a shot at getting Saban or peterson but i would at least have to check with those two first uh or i wouldn't be happy with myself but uh, I think they end up with Herman, honestly. You know, you mentioned older coaches not getting a grill. Can you imagine uh, Bill Snyder with a grill? <laughs> he, he could just get some iced out reading glasses or something like Sorry. that. Or right, just take his false teeth out. <laughs> All right, Daniel, you got the shot to make the hire at Texas. Who do you, who do you think they should hire? What's the best move for them? I I really think you know the only real move is to go after Herman. Um, outside of that, um, like uh, obviously Saban's not going to leave, but Chris Peterson I don't think he wants to leave either. But going from Washington to Texas, yeah, that's a step up, but it's not nearly as big a step up as like from Houston to Texas. So that's a monster jump for Herman. That's a reason to leave. Um, although I I kind of wish he'd stay there, but. I don't know. He's done a lot for that team. I don't know 
if he's necessarily that great or if it just kind of worked out for him to have a to good get good players but he's a great recruiter getting like Ed Oliver like you know um that's for a big five star to go to a G5 team that's um it's not unheard of but that's pretty wild so uh i guess just Tom Herman's really the only thing that comes to mind um but i don't have all the information all the coaches out there this is off the top of my head what are y'all's thoughts on PJ Fleck? Do you think he's in the mix at all? I think if he'd have had a sec- if this was his second, you know, undefeated or eleven year win, I could see them doing that. But I, I think if if I'm him, if I'm PJ Fleck, I want to go to a a a mid level Power Five school where I can make some noise, like 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 Arizona state or, you know, not Purdue, but you know, if he, if, if something, if something opened up, um, like say in the ACC, like NC state or, or Virginia, I could see him using a job like that to, to do his thing and jump to a, you know, a top 10 job. But I, I think it's just too, too much of a leap to have never worked at a big power school as a, as an assistant to be able to take that leap from Western Michigan. But I'll tell you what, he's going to coach somebody, someday at a high level. Um, I just don't think that the Texas people will let them, uh, the money people will let them dabble at a, at a guy in the Mac. That's just my take. What do you think, Trey? Uh, I tend to agree. I like him as a coach. Um, if you kind of look at his experience, you know, he was a, a GA. His first job was like a GA at uh, like Ohio State. And he's had some um, experience in the NFL. He was with the Buccaneers for a year uh, before he was at Western Michigan. So I think he's on that trajectory where he could be. I guess you could say maybe the next Tom Herman where Herman gets a job and then flex kind of the next guy that, you know, in the next couple of years you start hearing about, but, uh, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it would be a crazy kind of out of the box hire for, for Texas. And I don't think that that's the route they're going to go. I agree with you there. I don't think, um, they're going to go, um, that direction, but, I do think he's a good coach, and I think, like I said, he'll be kind of the next guy that you'll start hearing about in the next couple of years as a for those bigger jobs, you know, that come open those real big, you know, Power Five jobs. There's three guys that are in their their first year. I mean, excuse me. There, there's there's a couple of guys that are in their first year at, at, at places that I think aren't not going to be there long, even though I think they're really good jobs. Scott Frost at uh, University of Central Florida at UCF, he has them bowl eligible, and they were the team that went 0-12 last year. He was the offensive coordinator at, at Oregon, left before the bowl game, goes down to uh, Central Florida and has them humming. And so in his first year, he increases them their win total by six wins. So I think if he does that for a second year, he's going to be a hot commodity at, at some of these higher-level Power 5 programs. And the other guy that we know who's in his first year at Virginia Tech is Justin Fuente. If, if this was his second or third year at Tech and he had gone to the ACC title game two of those three years, because it looks like they're in the ACC title game against uh, Clemson, I think that's who Texas should look at because that, that guy's a football coach. He clearly knows how to manage and build a staff. He did a good job at Memphis, did a good job 
at uh, Virginia Tech, but that guy's going to be either the next head coach at Oklahoma or Texas, or, or if, if time would have gone, if it would have timed a little better, he could have been the head coach at Texas. But I think Justin Fuente's time at Virginia Tech is is not long because somebody really far up the ladder is going to come get him. I had written down here who I thought was going to go to Texas. You guys are going to be floored by this. I think if I'm the AD, I think I hired Mike Gundy. Interesting. Really? Yeah. He he's done he's the he's the best coach in the history of Oklahoma State. They have never had a comp- a consistent competitiveness uh competitive level level like they have right now. You know, he has he he lines up and and takes their best shot at Oklahoma every year who they historically have been run over by. He's won the Big 12. He's been competitive in the Big 12 every year that they've been there. He knows how to maybe not beautifully in public, but he he's dealt with the biggest Uber booster in the history of college football with T Boone. So I I think Gundy can I think Gundy could win. He's always going to be uh, second and third fiddle in terms of recruiting in the Big 12. He's always going to be behind Texas. He's always going to be behind OU. And you know we might get a better class. Baylor had gotten a better class before Armageddon hit him. So I, I Mike Gundy does great. Has done great stuff, and they just kicked the shit out of us up and down the field. So I, I that they say they want somebody that has won at a high level consistently. He's done what no coach has ever done. I'd hire Mike Gundy. He's not going to be intimidated by having to to be the head coach at a place like that. What do you guys think of that? Isn't isn't he and T Boone? Isn't there something kind of going on between them, like not friendly? I, I don't remember what it was. I think they've been going at it for years. I mean, they've been fighting in the media as long as I followed college football with any consistency. So I wouldn't be. Although the other the other thing is T Boone's a big donor of Texas, so. He doesn't have the say in the athletic program like he does at OSU, but he's he's you know he's got he's got plenty of money to share. We'll put it that way. I like that uh, that idea. I haven't really thought about that at all, um, but I do. That would be interesting hire for Texas. Let me ask you this though: Would he take the job if he had to cut that mullet? Uh, I was just gonna make that joke. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was gonna that, ask if what they Texas want to keep is... Austin weird. I was gonna ask them their policy about having a mullet. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you have to go to a safe space if you're in Austin and you have a mullet, or will that will, will people be able to respond to that effect correctly? I don't know. I love the I love the Turner Falls waterfall, man. I love I love that mullet. It's just growing and it's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he might fit in in Austin with that. Who knows? Who knows? He might he might be able to make it work. Well, if they bring if he brings them a championship, they'll all be wearing mullets. Oh, that's right. Well, you know they need a coach with some personality, and and Gundy is is who he is. I mean, he, like we all know him for his rant, which I loved. You know, he's got his mullet. He always looks like he just got out of the tanning booth. He's a he's a character. Because Mac was just he was a he was a used car salesman, and I think Charlie just wants to be like running tackling drills all the time. So. I think Gundy would fit in great in Austin. I don't know what it'd be like leaving Oklahoma State and having to play Oklahoma State every year. He might have a tough time with that because he is, you know, he played quarterback at OSU. He's 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 a he's a poke through and through. But he might be able to make it work, man. Mullet and all, mullet and all. Speaking of characters, and I would I would love it just for the pure entertainment of it. 
just for the conferences, I would love for Texas to take a look at the old pirate up there and oh, get him back in the conference. It would be amazing to have him at Texas. Like those press conferences would be must watch every week. I feel like. Can you imagine the Longhorn Network that oh, just gave man. an open mic to Leach? <laughs> amazing. Uh, it would be great. It would be great listening to you know those you know guys and their fat girlfriends and every kid gets a trophy and let me tell you about a ship that went down. <laughs> Just, That's the that weirdest awesome. guy, man. Oh, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to see him on. Um, I want to see him on like Charlie Rose, you know, just have somebody sit down and like formally interview him and with no interruptions. We like, you got, you got 15 minutes. Just keep talking and see what happens. I would love to see Leach kind of unhooked and unhinged. That would be awesome. Although, you know, we're talking about coaching changes. You, you mentioned your brother-in-law, Trey. Do you really think they should fire tech? I mean, do you think tech should really fire Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury? For, excuse me. Oh, um, they got to give him another year, I think. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, you know, I I don't care really that much. <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, I pretend to care when I'm around him just because whatever. Because, uh, you know, it's like I talk to him about TCU stuff, and I know he doesn't care. So I just pretend to care when he talks about their game but you know obviously keep up with the big 12 and stuff anyway but you know what i don't know man i don't the thing that blows my mind is i don't i don't i think he could be a good head coach and you know him be the head coach and control a lot of the offense because he seems to be obviously a really good coach uh, with quarterbacks and I think he has the personality and whatnot, even though I think he's a huge D bag, like he has kind of that stuff that young kids are into. And uh, I guess my point is what amazes me is that they still can't get their defense together. Like if they had somewhat of just a decent defense, they could probably win nine or 10 games a year, maybe with the right team, do something better. If they just had a decent defense and it kind of just blows my mind that they can never get that turned around. I just don't understand how they can never get it turned around and be decent at all. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they should fire. I don't, I don't know if they should fire him because I don't know who they get. I mean, I think, well, a lot of Baylor people think Bryles is going to get hired by Tech. Uh, I've been reading about that. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with a no on that. I mean, I don't want I don't want to go round robin around the rest of the conference, but I, I think I think Chad Morris is going to go to Baylor. I think he's going to parlay that five and seven into into a gig at Baylor, which is fine. I mean, he's he's a good coach, and I think I think if Tech opened up, I think they'd hire they'd be smart to hire Sonny Dykes. I think he'd do a good job, and he'd be the the legacy coach there, but. You know, I don't know who Tech thinks they're going to get in, and I don't mean that like it's some pejorative. You know, we're not Alabama, but I don't know who Tech would hire that would be able to to move them up in the standings of the Big Twelve. So Kendall Bryles, maybe. It, it, you know, the Kendall Bryles is Coach Bro 2.0, only he's not been 
as a successful offensive coordinator and, and doesn't, doesn't love Lubbock. You get, you know, you say what you want about Kingsbury, but he's, he wants to be in Lubbock. He loved playing there. He's loved coaching there. He likes being there. And I think that fit is more important than, you know, eight and five and six and six. But, but yeah, I think we can all part of it because what a dump. I know. <laughs> it is. So let me you ask know, you this. Go ahead. You mentioned your pick for the next Baylor coach. Am I crazy to think that I, I don't know. There's a part of me that really thinks that they're going to have to bring Jim Grove back again next year. Oh man. I just because I don't know. They're just in a position right now where obviously, you know, everything that's going on, we don't currently fully know what the NCAA is going to do. They're not going to go the Penn state route, but we still don't know what's mate may or may not happen there. I don't know, man, just as a coach, I just don't know why you would put yourself in a position. And it's not like you're going to a school that that's had this long winning tradition. You're not like going to Ohio state after trestle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, you know, you can get the ship righted and get that back going. Cause you're a blue, but blue blood, you're taking a job that had a couple decent years. Now they've gone through all this and you have, they're in Waco, Texas. I don't know, man. I just, to me, I think it's going to be tough and I don't, I don't know. They, I don't know. There's a part of me that just thinks they might have to stick it with Grobe and then, you know, see what happens after next year because I'm with y'all. They're not getting Herman. They're not getting less miles. And then, so you go from there and I don't know, like I said, I just, as a coach, I don't know why you would take that job. It's that would just be really hard. Unless, to unless take. you just wanted a lot of money. Yeah. And, yeah. And just didn't care otherwise, because you might ruin your reputation and like, Oh, well you're a piece of crap too. Obviously, if you're just going to go there. So, I don't know. I don't know about Grobe necessarily, but I don't know who else they would get either. So it's it's and the NCAA has been working with them. Well, working with them. That's what they call it. Investigating for a while now. And everything's just been uh, under the radar. So it could explode tomorrow. You never know. You know, the reason I think that they'll go with with Chad Morris and I is I think he's the best they can get. And I don't again, I don't mean that as put down, but. If I if I'm the if I'm the head coach at at um, I don't know who's competitive. If I'm the head coach at UCF, if I'm if I'm Scott Frost and I've had a, a good year, or maybe I'm in my second year. What's the appeal of going to Baylor right now? I, you have so much uncertainty. You basically had two uh, scholarship, you know, two recruiting classes that were just completely gutted, and so you have recruiting what what amounts to NCAA penalties through through scholarship reduction just by the, the, the amount of players that you have on right now, you are, you know, you've seen what's the, the response of the team this year, you know, the, the top heavy nature of what the big 12 could be. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a cast system in the big 12. I, I think they're going to have a hard time. They, they're not going to attract anybody from a current power five position, I believe. And so you get a guy like Chad Morris, who's wanted to be a head coach in Texas all of his life. He got a late start because he was such a good high school coach and he didn't get into college coaching until late in life or he'd probably already be a power five coach. 
He sees this job. He knows he's going to get a nice check. He wants to do this for the rest of his life in the state of Texas, and they're going to give him a lot of time. Whoever goes is going to get a big contract. I think that's the only move they can take, and it's probably the best guy that they could hire right now because, man, if I'm if I'm the head coach at, at um, UCF, if I'm the head coach at, at Western Michigan, I'm not going to Baylor. Not just because they're in Waco. I'm just I'm not going to Baylor. There's no security there. You know, I posted about this kind of thing on Killer Frogs the other day. I was talking about how you remember how Gary Patterson was hinting at how things were kind of going on down at Baylor, some shady stuff that wasn't really out yet. You know, the, all the big news hadn't broken yet, so you know, coaches know what's going on. They then they just can't talk about it, obviously, but they might. You know, there might be rumblings of what's really been going on, what might be trying to surface as far as the actual bad stuff, but also like what's going to happen with NCAA or you know, Department of Education or Justice or whatever it is going to happen. Um, there's a lot going on. I get it all confused. So, you know, they might already have their minds made up that no one's going to go to Baylor because they, they may talk to each other. You know, there's just kind of that coaching circle. So I don't know that, that if they even even get Morris, but who knows? Yeah, we're all going to find out in the next couple of weeks. By the time by the time we jump on next Sunday, we might we might have a lot of answers to some of this. Some of the stuff might be breaking Sunday afternoon. So, well, we could talk about the coaching carousel for for hours, and I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Um, just know this: if anybody can screw up a search, it's going to be the University of Texas. So, just if you're on Twitter, enjoy these next couple of days because it's going to be. Awkward. And if you get a chance to watch Charlie Strong's press conference, where he may or may not have been fired publicly and may or may not have been fired privately, that's going to be uh, must-see TV. You're going to want to watch that. Well, we have the committee that is, um, to close with, we're going to um, recreate what we believe the committee is going to be projecting towards. They've been releasing their rankings on Tuesday nights. You know, we've seen Oklahoma from the Big 12 is moving up. Of course, Alabama's number one. Some movement with all the upsets last week. But tonight what we want to do is, is just take a sharp look at who we think are the top four teams in the country. If, if, the big, if, the, if the playoff had to be decided today, who are the four teams that you would go with? Trey, you had, um, you had said you had a really unique perspective from some study that you'd done this week and tried to do it as objectively as you can. If, if you're on the committee, who are the top four teams in your bracket? Yeah, you know, I've really been studying these games, and I've kind of had – change of heart a little bit since we did this last time and so this this week i'm going ohio state number one they had that big um one point win over three and eight michigan state and so i think that propels them into the number one spot and then of course um you have to put michigan number two ten point win over five and six indiana so they have to be two. And then one of our favorites, um, Wisconsin, you know, they're coming in, sitting at nine and two. So I think you have to put Wisconsin at number three. And then, of course, Penn State, you have to put it number four. They beat up on Rutgers. They have the win over Ohio State. And so for me, like I said, I've had I've had my perspective change. I think the Big Ten's playing the best football in the country, and they deserve to be all top four. Now, you know, first of all, I want to say I respect that. That was well thought of. How do you 
justify not including Iowa? Well, you know, that one's tough. Seven and four, you know, they've had a lot of tough losses, but I'm 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 leaning more towards eight and three Minnesota as right oh. there on the cusp at number five. Good call. Good call. Yes. Well, we're all gonna yes. keep an eye on that Wisconsin Minnesota game because depending on how that breaks, they both might move up in the rankings. Oh yeah. It depends on how, how tough the loss is and and so yeah. yeah, they they play that big boy football up there in Big Ten country, and they deserve to be rewarded. They do. Bold picks. I always respect your opinion on this, Trey. I'm, I'm not even going to argue with you. I think you're dead on. Daniel, take, get, walk us through who you've got. What are your four picks for the committee, if you are on the committee right now for the playoffs? I have just been underwhelmed with Alabama. They let Chattanooga get up on them three to nothing. And so that just proves to me they aren't as good as everyone thinks. Um, they're out. I'm going to go with Washington, number one. I think they're playing as good as anybody. And um, I think it's just uh, it, it's fun to have kind of a newcomer. And, you know, they haven't been really been in the playoff picture um, a whole lot. Hang on. Okay, drop my computer here. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, after Washington, um, I like Colorado. Uh, The Buffs are playing, gosh, as good as I've seen in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, Probably only going to get better. Uh, After that, I have to say USC. Now, it was tough. I like USC um, to actually be a little higher. We'll see, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. But uh, for now, I'm going to put them at three. And just because I think they deserve it, uh, I'm going to go with Western Michigan for four. So I'm really mixing it up. I'm really mixing it up. And Bold. Yeah, well, I mean, they're undefeated. They're 11 and 0. They are. They are. You know, I don't know if an undefeated um, non-Power 5 team could handle the week-in, week-out um, barriers. and, and um, That's and, a good and point. No one's, ever, no one's ever proven that that's possible. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I want to give you my final four here. Um, number one, I've got Alabama because Alabama is the best team in the country, and I don't think there's really any argument. Number two – I got Florida. They beat LSU. They are representing the the SEC East. And so just by default almost, I know it's kind of a joke, but by default, if you're representing the SEC in the SEC title game, you are one of the two best teams in the country. So Alabama won, Florida two. You know, the only Power 5 team from the state of Texas to win this weekend was Texas A&M. And they had an impressive barely double-digit victory over UTSA. And I think we can all agree in their long, rich Division I history, you just don't expect to walk away from a big from UTSA with an easy win. So when you look back over the almost half decade of, of Division I football at UTSA, you just don't waltz in and get that victory. So Aggies get a victory, so I'm going to put them number three. Number four is probably going to be Auburn, and stay with me why I think this. Auburn beat Alabama A&M. 
And so I, I did a little research, and Wikipedia is never wrong. It turns out Alabama A and M is a is a is, is some kind of conglomeration of the University of Alabama and Texas A and M. And so I don't exactly know how their roster was formed or who their coach is or what conference they play in, but Auburn beat a combination of, of Alabama and A and M when they beat Alabama A and M, and so that puts them at number four. And if Alabama can, uh, if Auburn can beat Alabama and A and M. I think Auburn can beat Alabama this weekend in the Iron Bowl. So that's the four I've got. And on the outside looking in real quick is Vandy. Vandy beat Ole Miss. And, um, you know, if Vandy is able to get one more W this weekend, they might be moving up the ladder pretty quick there to uh, take that last playoff spot from Auburn. So a lot, lot, of, lot of moving parts there with those teams. And I, I'm open to all other views. So I'm not just locked in on my perspective and what I think is true. I want to I hear from everybody else. So those are the four I got. You guys got any thoughts on anything that anybody said on terms of who we, who, who we rank and where we rank them? It just goes to show the fluidity of the polls, and it depends on the body clocks, and it's all about the close losses and not who you beat. And so I look forward to meeting with you guys in Grapevine again next week. That sounds good. I'll be out there. I'm looking forward to it. Kirby Holcutt. I might be doing some interviews out there in Grapevine, looking for a new head coach. So he might be double-dipping. You never know. You just never know. Maybe he'll bring Barry Alvarez back out of retirement to go run the offense at Texas tech. That would be awesome. He's on the committee. He's pretty open-minded about the spread. So, uh, well, fellas, by the time we talk next week, hopefully the frogs will be bowl eligible and hopefully we will have beaten the university of Texas ended that miserable experience for Texas fans with Charlie strong and get, get, uh, get a W down in Austin. We've done really well in playing against university of Texas since we joined the big 12, it would be nice to go to four and one against Texas and three and zero in Austin, man, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see that happen. Well, for Trey Fallon, for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. We want to thank you for listening to the Frogcast. Please track us down on iTunes. Track us down on Facebook and on Twitter. You can go to thefrogcast.com. We are a proud member of the Killer Frogs family, so you can get on there and talk about our episode that we'll have posted as soon as this drops. And let us know how you think. We love your feedback. Give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, send us a message. We'd love to share on air what it is you're thinking about and answer some questions from you. So as always, we look forward to talking to you next week. And go Frogs. Go Frogs.